podcast land. You've set your dial once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, your first, best, and only all-encompassing combat sports podcast. What are we talking about on this show? Mostly MMA, but we definitely have to get in some boxing, some Muay Thai, and some MMA. Some MMA, yeah, and some kickboxing, <laughs> whatever we can. I am your host, the Rhino. Joining me is obviously my feature player, Andrea. So episode 93, holy smokes, I can't believe it. Every time we get do a new show, I'm like, I can't believe we've got that high of a number. Today, before I bury the lead, as I tend to do, going 10 rounds with Rhino later on in the show, UFC Bantamweight Raquel Rocky Pennington is the latest fighter to go 10 rounds with Rhino. So I hope you guys stick around and check that one out. So we've got another fun-filled episode for you this week, starting off with Dana White's Contender Series from uh, from Tuesday. Then we're going to get into our co-main and main event results from Bellator 266, a full UFC Vegas 37 breakdown, Dre's world-famous drop of the night, Dre's drop of the night, a Q&A <laughs> session with the Rhino gang, and then the UFC bantamweight Rocky Pennington. Just, I mean, we recorded before she fought, but obviously just coming off of her big win last night, um, at UFC uh, Vegas 37. Super cool to have her on. It was a great interview. Hope you guys check that one out. So let's go ahead and get our swim chunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. Dana White Contender Series had two Rhino Gang members on it. First off was Jasmine Jazdavizius got the unanimous decision over Julia Polistri and got the contract. Uh, she won by unanimous decision, like I said. Then we had Jack Della Maddalena, who got a UD over Ainge Lusa. Great fight, by the way, at 170. He also got a contract. Then Lucas Parisi got the submission over Dylan Potter in the third. He got a contract at heavyweight. Then at 185, when Albert Duryev got a submission in the first round against Cade Betancourt, um, it was the GNP to the neck crank, and he got a contract. And then the other member of the Rhino gang, the Mo Show, Mo Miller, dominant, you know, top control, dominant wrestling over Brendan Lewis, but did not get a contract, even though he got the UD in that one at 135. Then finally, we had Jason Almeida versus Nasruddinov, uh, who got the rear naked choke in the second round for Jason and did get a contract. So... That was our Dana White Contender Series recap from Tuesday. Real quickly, we'll get into the Bellator 266 results from San Jose. Neiman Gracie beat Mark Leminger by a second by a first round uh, TKO with punches and elbows. Just 90 seconds into the fight, you don't often hear about a Gracie winning by TKO, and I think that was his first or maybe only second uh, career win by TKO. So good for him. And then Yoel Romero versus Phil Davis. Phil Davis got the split decision in that one. Uses wrestling, did what Phil Davis tends to do. Not the most exciting way to win, but he's very effective at it. And then a quick little side note, we got Alex Easy Polizzi. Got a split decision win in that one as well. Rhino gang, gang, gang. All right, that's our uh, quick recap of uh, Bellator 266. Let's go ahead and get into the meat of the matter, as we like to say around here at CSWR. We've got our UFC 137 prelims. Um, our first one was going to be at 125 pounds. We had Hannah Goldie versus Emily Whitmire. Whitmire swept, take, gave a couple sweep, sweep takedowns on Hannah Goldie. Looked like she was really in control. Uh, and then just, whoop, real quick, Hannah Goldie slapped up the, uh, the arm bar, got the submission in the first round. So, uh, big win for her, 125 pounds. Moving to 135 with Gustavo Lopez versus Healy Antaliag. This one was a draw because Antaliag in the third round decided to grab the fence repeatedly, had a fight, had a fight, had a point taken away in the fight. That one caused it to be a draw because Gustavo Lopez kicked his ass in the third. Um, so that made it a 10-8, but then Healy had definitely won the first two. So that's a draw at 135 for that one. Moving into 170, we had Impa Kasangane versus Carlson Harris. Um, both guys were throwing really hard shots early. Nothing really significant landed. And then amidst the exchange, Carlson Harris had a nice short right, would put Impa down. He jumped on him, started landing some beautiful ground and pound. TKO in the first round for Carlson Harris. Moving into 125 pounds, we had Aaron Blanchfield versus Sarah Alpar. Aaron had like really hard body kicks, high pressure the entire time. Every time she wanted to take Sarah down, she did. Every time it was on the feet, Aaron was landing beautiful, crisp little clean punches. Total domination for Aaron Blanchfield over Sarah Alpar. Um, so big win for her, 125 pounds. Then moving into the Montel Jackson versus JP Bay's fight at 135 pounds. This one was JP Bay's like real early. So the first couple of minutes, he looked great with his takedowns. He looked great with his hands. And then Montel kind of figured out the distance, kind of figured out that he was had the incredible reach advantage, moved on his feet very well, uh, clearly dominated. He knocked down J.P. Bay's, what, like five or six times? It was incredible, dude, that J.P. was able to withstand, just keep getting knocked down. But good win for Montel uh, Jackson in that one. Moving into the 155-pound, Dre, we had 
Rong Zhu versus Brandon Jenkins. This one was, um, I don't know, man. It was a huge straight right for Jean, for Rong Zhu. I felt like he was, he should have stopped the fight at least three or four times. I mean, I know Brandon's tough, but he took it at a really short notice. Rong Zhu was the far superior fighter the entire time. I feel like he should have been able to finish it with either, he was in full mount several times, took his back several times. Yeah, I, I, I was impressed with Rong Zhu being so young, but again, I thought he should have finished the fight. But he did get the, uh, Finally, the TKO in the third, very late in the third. Uh, so he did get the win in that one over the late replacement, Brendan Jenkins. Moving into, uh, so that would be next would have been our, oh, our guest for the day, Dre. <laughs> I know. Rocky. Yeah, we had a, yes, bam, Miss Raquel Pennington, Rocky as she's known, fighting Panny Kinzad. Wow. What a dog fight. What a grueling fight. I think that's exactly the words that Dave Fretz used in his tweet last night. He was like pure dog fight, I believe. It was. Dude, you want to talk about two ladies just being up against the cage and dirty boxing and throwing knees and just grinding for position. When they would exchange, uh, I felt like Rocky was getting the better, especially at space. Inside was very close. Um, Kinzad did a great job with the knees to the body, but so did Rocky. You know what I mean? It was a really close fight. It was an excellent performance by Rocky Pennington. I thought it was kind of one of those that they were going to give to the wrong person. You know, sometimes you get that fight that you feel like, okay, I think Rocky clearly won two of the three rounds, but I feel like the judges might get it wrong. You know what I mean, Drea? Mm -hmm. I got the same feeling. I was totally thinking the same thing and just kind of biting my nails till they announced it. 100%, dude. And, and yeah, thankfully, the right person won. Rocky Pennington got the beautiful unanimous decision in that very tough fight versus Panny Gonzad. And wow, I can't wait for you guys to hear her uh, on the on the 10 rounds around a little bit later. So make sure you check that one out. All right, then moving into slow Mike Rodriguez, gang gang. Versus Tafan and Jukwi. Mike was so tall, and I thought he was for sure going to try to stay the outside. Uh, Tafan was just so aggressive. He came in, you know, really throwing in hard punches where Mike had to defend. Mike kind of would then careen back into the fence. Uh, Tafan and Jukwi would kept keep the pressure on, keep them up against the cage most of the fight. Give big kudos. We talked about this in the group chat with a bunch of our friends last night, Drea, you and I did. Mm -hmm. Mike showed incredible heart and incredible chin. He took some huge shots and was able to stay in the fight. He landed some on his on his end as well, but it really was Tafana Juki from uh, almost the entirety of the fight. So big, you know, big Mike Rodriguez. I hope you uh, you know go back to the drawing board, dude. Get back out there. We we were big fans over here, but a super great win for Tafana Juki in that one. Moving into our ninth fight, which would have been Joaquin Buckley versus Antonio Arroyo, not the most exciting fight in the world, Drea. It was a lot of a lot of techniques being thrown, a lot of kicks, a lot of from mm -hmm. far away punches, but not a whole lot landing. You know what I mean? There wasn't right. a ton of techniques that were actually landing and doing any sort of damage. And then, of course, a typical Joaquin Buckley fashion, <laughs> immediately out of nowhere in the third round. Immediately <laughs> 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 the third, like later in the third round. Uh, he, he, he shot in a Royal sprawled. And then as they got back up a beautiful, um, a beautiful right hook for Buckley stops and drops Antonio Arroyo. Then he jumped on him with some more ground and pound for the you know, hammer fist for the finish. Big TKO in the third for Joaquin Buckley in that one. Moving into Nate Maynard versus Tony Gravely. This one was, man, you want to talk about the tide turning. So Tony oh, Gravely man. looked great in the first. And then right at the very end of the first round, like literally with like a second or two left, Hitting Manis with a huge shot that really knocked Nate down, hurt him so, so bad. His corner did a great job of kind of bringing him back. Uh, and then they go out into the next round and a left hook to the body followed by like a right shovel punch, kind of a hybrid uppercut hook. Hit Tony Gravely right in the chin, knocked him down. Nate Manis jumped on and finished him up with some ground and pound. Another big win for Nate Manis. And that one incredibly exciting fight between him and Tony Gravely. So Nate Manis gets the win in that one. All right, Dre, I'm moving into our 11th fight of the card. We had Armand Sarukian versus Christos Giagos. Christos looked great early. Um, he was cutting hard angles. He was landing nice shots. But then out of nowhere, blink of an eye, a left hook by Armand um, Drop Christos, jumped on him, finished him on the ground. There was a lot of that last night, right? There was a lot of drop and then, you know, cover and then throw down a bunch of GMP for the for the win, which is exactly what happened last night. Armin Sarukian gets the first round TKO over Christos Giagos at 155 pounds. Then moving into Mandy Bone versus Ariane Lipsky, which, oh boy, what do we like to say about a fight like that, Drea? One-way traffic. <laughs> One-way traffic. <laughs> 
Lipsky looked fantastic. Uh, everywhere they went on the feet or on the ground, she was dominant. So from start to finish, she got the unanimous decision in that one. It was all area Lipsky in that 125 pounds big win for her. Moving into the co-main event, we had Devin Clark versus Ayan Kutalaba. A um, little bit of a back and forth in the first round, and then late, Ian dropped Devin bad. He couldn't finish him on the ground. Every time that the ref was like, you need to show me something, you know, Clark would do something. He would move enough. He would grab enough. He would throw something back. Uh, so he wasn't able to finish. And then in the second and the third, every time Ian Kutalaba wanted to throw Devin Clark on his face, he did. Every time he wanted to slam him, he did. Every single leg, double leg, they worked. This was... Ian Kutalaba the entire time, except for the very beginning of the first round. We've all seen the horrific picture of Devin Clark's lower teeth, I believe, on Twitter. Um, he's he's looking at a lot of surgery, maybe some wires. I'm not so sure. I'm not a dentist, but fuck. His lower <laughs> teeth are jacked up. So, yeah, dude, I got to go with... Uh, I got to go with Ian Kutalaba getting that unanimous decision in very impressive fashion. Moving into our main event at 205, we had Anthony Lionheart-Smith versus Ryan Spann. Uh, a big left early by Anthony Smith, dropped Spann. Um, Anthony then hurt him again, jumped on his back, took his back, slapped on the rear naked choke with a submission win. A little shit talking afterwards, right? But he got squashed pretty quickly. So a very quick win for Anthony Lionheart-Smith and that one in our main event. So, Drea, that was our UFC 137 recap and breakdown. Let's go ahead and hear about your world-famous Drea's Drop of the Night. Drop of the Night. Well, my Drea's Drop of the Night is going to come from Antonio Arroyo versus Joaquin Buckley um, from last night's UFC Vegas 37. Uh, it was an amazing back-and-forth fight that... Uh, Joaquin Buckley was able to secure the win in the third round when he caught Arroyo with uh, that right hook. Uh, almost looked like it was a little bit to the back of the head, but then he followed up with an uppercut that dropped Arroyo uh, to this, and then, you know, he jumped on top and finished him with the ground and pound. So uh, it was a beautiful finish for Joaquin Buckley. So my Dre's drop of the night goes to Joaquin Buckley. And a great drop of the night indeed. So Joaquin Buckley, man, he's he's racking up the Dre's drop of the night. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's he might he's have the record. Absolutely. Did you, did you what uh, his interview was awesome after the fight too? I, I got to mention, I loved how um, positive he was and kind of um, you know giving props to his opponent and, and and things like that. It was it was an awesome interview. I really enjoyed it. All with a giant hematoma above his eye. So, yeah, shout out to Joaquin <laughs> Buckley for that. Yeah. <laughs> Which, um, so, yeah, let's go ahead and get our UFC 266 main card picks. We got the big, humongous two, uh, UFC 266 next week, Andrea. So, yes. I'll go ahead and get us started. 125 pounds. I've got Jessica Andrade beating Cynthia Calvillo by unanimous decision in that one. What's your call? I'm with you exactly on that. I'm going Andrade with the unanimous decision as well. All right, moving into 265, I've got Curtis Blades beating Jerezino Rosenstrike, also by unanimous decision. What's your call on that one? You know, I always got to go with my boy Jarzinho, so I'm going Rosenstrike with a TKO finish round two. All righty, getting to 170 pounds, and I can't believe we're going to say this for the very first time. I know. Ever. Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler at 170 pounds. I've got Nick Diaz. Winning by third round submission. That is third round submission for Nick Diaz. What's your call on that one? I am on board with Nick Diaz, but I'm going fourth round. I think it's going to go past the third, and I'm taking Nick Diaz with a uh, round four submission. Already moving in for their first belt of the evening. We've got a 125-pound champion, a mega star, mega incredible fighter, Valentina Shevchenko. Fighting Lauren Murphy. Um, I've got Valentina Shevchenko uh, KOing Lauren Murphy by second round KO. Bad. I think it's going to be from the from the mount. I'm going to call it from the mount, and she's going to hit her with an elbow. This is going to put her completely out of the consciousness. So I got Valentina Shevchenko second round KO over Lauren Murphy. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm going Valentina Shevchenko without a doubt. Uh, but I Lauren Murphy's pretty tough, so that I give her that. Uh, but I'm going to go a third round uh, TKO finish for Shevchenko. All right. And let's move into our 145 pound championship. We've got Brian T city Ortega versus Alexander, the great Volkanovsky. I am going with a title switch. Drea, 
I'm going mm-hmm. with Brian T. City Ortega submission in the fourth round, and I'm calling it. I'm calling for the uh, um, arm triangle, and I'm actually. <laughs> I think he's going to get the arm triangle in this one, and the belt's going to go to him. Brian T. City Ortega, fourth round submission over Alexander Volkanovsky. What about you? I think you saw my notes before we recorded because <laughs> I am one- we live 30 states away. <laughs> I know. So I am 100% on board with the uh, belt switch. I'm, I'm pushing for Brian Ortega, and I think he's going to go round four submission as well. I wasn't going as crazy as you and calling the actual sub, but I am going a round four sub for pretty boy Ortega. Arm triangle. I'm calling it now. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and get to our Twitter questions. I know our first one comes from my homie, the doc. Doc, what do you got this week, dude? If you had to pick a possible upset for UFC 266, which fight do you think it could happen in? So it's it's a hard call. Like to, It's hard to call any fight like a major upset, right? But if you were mm-hmm. going to have to consider the Nick Diaz-Robbie Lawler fight an upset, it really would be, right? Robbie Lawler yeah. has been consistent after all this time, and Nick Diaz has been away for like seven years. Um, so you would have to actually probably officially make that an upset. So, yeah, I'm going with Nick Diaz pulling off the quote-unquote upset over Ruthless Robbie Lawler. I think that really qualifies. So, yeah, I'm definitely going with that one. So that's my pick for that one. Thank you very much, Doc. All right, let's go into our next one, which is the – uh, our homie Ty Fly Guy. Ty Fly Guy, what do you got this week, dude? There is no doubt that Valentina Shevchenko is the queen of the flyweight division. Everyone that has been put in front of her since she won the belt has either lost in devastating fashion or dominated in a decision. My question for you is which fighter that has gone up against her since she won the belt against Joanna has looked like a formidable opponent to her belt on paper? And you have to pick one. So, right, we're talking strictly on paper. I think the closest one would be Jessica Andrade. Um, mm-hmm. th- th- since she's fought for the belt, right? The, the I thought that Jessica Andrade, when she fought, was going to give her some problems. Obviously, I still picked Valentina to win that fight. But when you look at it on paper like you wanted, th- there, there are some problems that Jessica can give to anybody, right? She's a formidable opponent. She's a former 135er. Very strong. Hits really hard and is super well-rounded, so she's good on her back. She's good from top. She's good on her feet. She's really well-rounded. I've often called her the female John Lineker, right? Because she's got that low center of gravity. She throws those really hard hooks, um, and she's tenacious. So, yeah, I really like Jessica Andrade, and I felt like on paper she would have been the closest to being able to give Valentina a real threat uh, for her belt since coming off the win over JJ. So, yeah, man, a great question. Thank you so much, Ty. All right, let's get into our homie, the Rage of Sweet Potato, RSP. What do you got this week? This is a really fun one. If you could pick eight fictional fighters from any movie or TV show for a one-night tournament, who would you pick, and how do you think the whole thing plays out? So this was really fun to play around with, dude. So I made a mix of guys who use weapons and guys who don't, characters from TV, characters from movies. And and so this is the, this is the eight, okay? So I've got Jax Teller from Sons of Anarchy. I've got B.A. Barakas from the A-Team. I've got Dalton from Roadhouse. Conan the Barbarian from Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> I've got Muay Thai Master Tong Po from Kickboxer. I've got the Russian steroid-using Ivan Drago from Rocky IV. I've got Achilles, played by Brad Pitt, from the movie Troy. And then finally, I've got King Leonidas from the movie 300. So in this battle, right, this in this one-night eight-man tournament, I saw it going this way. Um, I picked all these guys, and then I was just like, all right, I'm just going to see how this would play out. So basically what it came down to was I was leaning originally towards Yvonne Drago and Tong Po being your finalists, right, because they're both huge. They're both actual combat sports athletes as far as the movie goes, right? But Yvonne Drago is such a stiff dude that I don't think he would have been able to do – MMA quite as well as he could boxing, um, you know, and then Tong Po having such an incredible Muay Thai background. I definitely had to put Tong Po. So Tong Po was in the finals and actually gave King Leonidas, Drea. King Leonidas worked his way through beating Jack Teller, Dalton, NBA, or whoever he drew in that one. So I King Leonidas versus Tong Po in the end. King Leonidas with the incredible 
you know, we were born for this. We were bred for this. This is our destiny kind of <laughs> shit. I think he can make his way to the finals. But then once he got in there, it would be Tong Po. Tong Po with the reach, Tong Po with the elbows, Tong Po with the knees, Tong Po with the savagery. So, yeah, Tong Po all day wins that tournament. RSP, my dude, that was awesome. Thank you so much. All right, I know our next one comes from the whole, the homie Dean Dog. Dean Dog, what do you got this week, dude? With the excitement of upcoming Diaz, Diaz fight, where do the Diaz brothers rank with existing and past brothers in the UFC? There have been a lot of brother combinations, you know, throughout the, obviously the the Gracies and the Millers. I mean, there's been a ton of brothers um, who have gone through not just the UFC, but the entire landscape of MMA, the Emelianenkos. I mean, you can, the list goes on and on. But for me, you want to talk about who's the most impactful, right? I'm talking talent. I'm talking overall fandom, longevity, not to mention the entertainment factor. It's the Diaz brothers, dude. People may talk shit about overall records, lack of major titles, you know what I mean? But pound for pound, Nick and Nate Diaz are my favorite brother combination of all time, not just from the UFC, but from mixed martial arts as a whole. I don't know if there will ever be a more polarizing set of siblings that can come in and do what they have done. You think about how long they've been around. You think about how long they've been pertinent in the fucking landscape of MMA. It's we're over a decade now, Drea. I mean, we're talking about guys who have been around for forever, but even when they're both gone, right? Because they've both taken several hiatuses, right, over their mm -hmm. career. They still get referred to. They still get talked about. There's always somebody talking about Adidas, brother. They just have this thing. They have that it. They've got that it factor that keeps them on the forefront of all of our minds who are not only fans of them, but people who hate them. Because even yeah. people who hate them want to talk about them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> the, the Diaz brothers are absolutely the most influential and the most important and probably forever going to be the most polarizing set of brothers or siblings as a, as a whole in the entire landscape of MMA. So Dean dog, great question, my dude. All right, Drea, what do we got next? Uh, next we have uh, from APB. Uh, she asks next weekend is finally UFC 266. I can't wait for Diaz Lawler too. How do you see this fight going? Robbie has said he's only interested in fun fights going forward. So what fun fights would you like to see Robbie and Nick fight after next weekend? So these are two totally different. Um, these are totally two different kinds of style fights and type of fighters. And I'm looking to match these guys up with. So first of all, I'm hoping for like a Condit Lawler type of fight. Lots of back and forth, lots of output. Of course, you get to throw in the Nick Diaz, you know, seasoning, which is going to be arms raising, tapping his chin, talking shit to him, say what's up, motherfucker, flick him off. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm certainly expecting to see that. But after this fight, I'm, you know, not doesn't matter who wins or loses. After this fight, this is what I'd like to see. I'd like to see Robbie Lawler fight other veterans who are kind of on his, kind of at his level, you know from what I see him being a fighter of now. So an example of that would be like Cowboy Oliveira. I think Cowboy Oliveira and Robbie Lawler would make a good fight. And again, it would be, I hate to use the word appropriate, but you know, kind of appropriate for them, right? Another one was veteran Alex Morono. He just came off of a good win. Alex Morono and Robbie Lawler, I think are both durable guys. They don't really have that one shot kill power anymore. You know, I think it would just kind of be a back and forth, interesting fight. So yeah, two examples for what I'd like to see Robbie Lawler, Cowboy Oliveira, Alex Morono. Um, for Nick, I thought about this, Dre, and it came to me like a bolt of lightning. If he, he gets through Robbie Lawler, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, dude, let's go Nick Diaz versus Wonderboy. Can you imagine the stylistic differences between the two? <laughs> Wonderboy with his karate. <laughs> Nick with his fucking long jab and his stock and slap and the fucking jujitsu and then how Nick acts and his antics in the ring or the cage and then Stephen Wonderboy Thompson's Mr. Wholesome fucking vibe that he has going on. I think what a collision that that would be. What an interesting matchup, not just in, but out of the cage. Um, plus, I love both fighters. I really do. So that would be one that I would really actually enjoy a lot. So yeah, let's let's go Wonderboy Thompson if Nick Diaz gets through Robbie Lawler, which I think I will. So yeah, that's my answer on that. That one, APB. Thank you so very much. Andrea, as we know, when APB asks a question, we know that <laughs> you can't be a wuss. And have a puss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's going to take care of our writing questions. Let's go ahead and dive into our voice questions. Our first one comes from the big homie, Jim Asoon. Jim, what do you got this week, dude? What's going on, everybody? Okay. 
I know in the running game. Hope you all doing well. That was a pretty good fight card last night. Yeah, there were some good fights on there for sure. Uh, I don't know what the fuck Yoel was thinking there last night. And I think a lot of these older fighters are just done, man. I think these uh, young kids are just way more experienced than what they were when they came up. And, uh, you know, they got all this internet. They can watch these fucking guys fight nonstop, right? So, I don't know. Um, my question for you this week is, uh, what do you think is next for Raquel Pennington? She looked pretty good, and I know she's a guest this week. So, uh, that's my question for you, buddy. Keep up the great work. You know we love the podcast. And you fuckers know it's always 420. Thanks. So next for Rocky, dude, I'm going to go with the winner of the October 16th fight between Ketlin Vieira and Misha Tate. If Ketlin um, does what I think she's going to do and wins, I think that's a super interesting fight. It would take place a lot on the feet, I think. I think it would be a fun fight for the fans. If it's Misha Tate, I think Rocky, she, first of all, she has the psychological advantage because Rocky already beat her uh, back in 2016 on the undercard of Alvarez and McGregor. But I think Rocky would... Um, be able to fight from, you know, having her be the boss. I think she's stronger than Misha Tate. I think she would be able to keep the fight in the feet. If Misha took her down a bunch, you know, that might be a problem. But I honestly think that Rocky would be able to keep it on the feet, would be able to shuck off Misha's takedowns. Um, I've got Rocky all day in that one. I think Ketlin Vieta fight versus Rocky, very, very close. I think Rocky has a distinct advantage over Misha Tate. So I would really like to see her win. Um, plus, it makes sense, dude. Caitlin and Rocky... Um, Ketlin, I should say, not Caitlin. Ketlin and Rocky are both in the top eight. If Ketlin wins and Rocky were to then fight her and beat her, puts her right up in that top three or four, and she would definitely uh, be making a case for another run of the title shot. So, yeah, that's that's my answer on that one, Jim and Sue. Thank you so much, my dude. Great fucking question. All right, let's go into our next voicemail, which comes from the homie Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod. Juice, what do you got, dude? What's up, Rhino? This is Juice from the Friendly Sparring Podcast. This week kicks off International Fight Week. Now, in years past, that has included usually several fight cards. Obviously, the big one culminating on Saturday, the big pay-per-view, usually on Wednesday or Friday, they'll throw they'll throw another card on. It could be like a, just a little quick fight night or whatever, so you have multiple events. Um, this week, there are none. But there are, you know, there's the Hall of Fame induction, obviously probably some fan expos and things like that. My question for you is, what would you add to this week's International Fight Week? Assuming you had time, assuming you know, we can kind of reconfigure this week, what would you add to make it more beefed up? Could be another card. Uh, you know, if that, in that case, I would like to know some matchups or, or just like a fun event. What do you think? Get at me. <clears throat> this is awesome, bro. So what I would add to beef up International Fight Week, without a doubt, I would do a live 100% free outdoor Dana White contender series, right? So like on a Friday during the day, so like, you know, noon or whatever, started up like maybe four or five fights in Vegas, right? It would have to be outdoors though. That's, that's the way I would like to see it. I would like that to be an outdoor event. It's totally free, totally live, totally fucking sweet. Where ever, after every single fight, here's the wrinkle after every single fight, Dana has to announce whether or not the fighter got a contract. Not at the end. Now we got to wait you know, all night to find out. Oh, no, no, no. Right there on the fucking, right after the announcement of the winner, then there's like the double the suspense. So I would love to see a, uh, a Dana White Contender Series live International Fight Week on a Friday in the afternoon, four or five fights. Let, let them fucking go, dude. That would be so fun. And then you'd have to announce the contract winner if uh, if they won or didn't win the contract right afterwards, I think that'd be so sweet. So, Juice, thank you very much. Great question, my dude. If you guys haven't already, of course, check out Juice and Lee on the Friendly Sparring Pod. It is awesome. All right, Drea, I know our third one comes from the homie D-Crons. D-Crons who likes us to say, boo, Mason Barber, boo. That's our <laughs> boy D-Crons. D-Crons, what do you got this week, dude? Whoa, sorry I'm late, boss. <laughs> that damn time change. Um, Man, that was a all-around fun night of fights. Hell yeah, Raquel. Oh, God damn, that made me happy. That was an awesome fight. Um, I just wanted to hear your thoughts, Rhino, on uh, that new uh, fight league uh, that's going to be structured more like an NFL, NHL, NBA team. Uh, a traditional league format. And um, 
I just wonder what you think that's going to look like. I mean, there's, you know, positives definitely with health insurance and these other things, but I'm just wondering uh, what you think that league's going to look like and what it's going to do to the UFC. Will it even work at all? Take care. Love y'all. Rhino gang gang. Ah, so the WFL. So here's my thoughts on that, my man. I truly hope it works out. I am supremely skeptical. Every time a league comes around like this and they're, they, they say they're going to revolutionize a sport or, or sports entertainment, it ends up failing to last or even get off the ground. You want to talk about like basketball, you got the ABA, football, the USFL, and the XFL. In, in pro wrestling, you got WCW. In MMA, you've got Strike Force. And to a lesser degree, um, you know, Bellator and PFL, they're still on TV and they're still kind of making it. So I'm not really including them in this, but we've had so many examples of other sports leagues that try to come in, revolutionize things, dethrone them, you know, the person sitting on the throne. It, it just almost never works out. And oftentimes it like it crumbles and, and erodes even before it gets started. I would love to see this work out for all the reasons that we mentioned, you know, obviously fighter healthcare and unionization and collective bargaining agreements. I love the sound of all that, right? It's just so hard to get to actually happen. The investors have to be super duper deep pockets. That's how AEW um, in the pro wrestling world has been able to kind of compete with the WWE right now is because they have unlimited funds. It seems like they've got unlimited resources. Not every group of investors is going to have that. They're going to want to cut losses if they're not seeing return on their investment. So, again, I am supremely skeptical to whether this thing is even going to take off. Or once it does take off, if it's going to be able to stick around and, you know, sustain viability. I hope it does. You know, competition is always good. Everybody wins having more places to go and learn your craft and be able to perform and fight and make money. I just I'm, I just don't see it, bro. And I, again, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Because that would be awesome for the entire world of MMA for that to happen. So thank you very much, D. Kranz. All right, Dre, let's go ahead and get into our 10 rounds with Rhino with Rocky Raquel Pennington after a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, Rhino gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, kandrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Everybody out there, Fight Fam, we have got such a special guest joining us today, going 10 rounds with Rhino. UFC Bantamweight Rocky Raquel Pennington is joining us. I am so stoked to have you on, Rocky. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Dude, we are so super stoked to have you. I can't believe it's so close to your fight. It's almost fight time for you, which we'll get into that in a little bit. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Our first question is always the same for every fighter we have on the show, Rocky. We love to know the origin story. Like, how did you very first get into the crazy, wacky world of mixed martial arts? Um, I actually got in there, uh, I was 19 years old. I broke my back snowboarding. I couldn't take any of my, um, athletic scholarships to college. So I was just doing rehab, took an academic scholarship to the university in Colorado Springs. And, um, yeah, it was more so just a joke, you know, uh, there was one point in my life where I grew up being a huge tomboy and I wanted to box. My parents told me, no, I was too pretty and my teeth are way too nice. So I (laughs) But I used to roughhouse with all the guys in the neighborhood and just kind of wrestle and fight, play tackle football on the pavement. And then I have a cousin who's five months older than me, and we used to fist fight all the time. But other than that, I mean, I never even thought twice about it. And it just so happened that when I used it as a way to 
kind of get back into shape and joking around, uh, I found out I was really talented at it. And then the rest is history, as they say. That's fucking awesome, dude. So, again, like I mentioned, you're fighting in just a couple of days from right now when we're recording this. So, for a lot of us who wouldn't know, you know, who would never fought in the UFC, clearly, what's that final 48 hours like for you? Like, what's kind of a, a normal schedule for you, just that 48 hours leading up to a big UFC fight? So, today for me is just kind of chill. Um, kind of hanging out this morning, getting my day slowly rolling. I'm knocking out a bunch of interviews and doing some journaling and just having some me time relaxing. Um, the chaos kind of probably or actually starts this evening. So I'll go to the performance Institute here in a little bit, get a workout in, um, blow out my lungs is usually how we say it. And then, uh, this evening I start my weight cut and tomorrow morning I'll weigh in replenish and then, uh, get a good night's rest and go to war on Saturday. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> so the next one is, uh, I hope I'm saying your name correctly, Pani Kinzad is your next opponent for Saturday night. What, if anything, do you think she brings with her into the cage as far as like her strengths that you are going to have to look out for when you're in there? You know, she's a, from what they say, she's a boxer. I mean, obviously we're in mixed martial arts, so there's a lot more that goes behind it. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I've watched her fights. We were supposed to originally fight back in June. And she ended up still continuing to fight. I had a pull from the card, but watching her and then as opposed to now, I mean, like I said, she's a, her history is boxing. And of course, I don't care who you are, if you're number one, if you're the champion or if you're ranked number 50, like you're definitely going to bring a challenge to the table. Um, I'm a person who loves challenges, but at the end of the day, I'm a veteran of the sport. I've been here for a really long time. Um, I have a ton of tools in my toolbox. I'm probably in the best place I've been mentally, physically, and emotionally in a very long time. So it's not really about what she brings to the table. It's just focusing on what I'm bringing to the table and uh, having fun. Absolutely, dude. So we talk a lot about records in the in the realm of combat sports. Records, records, records. It's, it's an ongoing discussion point. But one, one thing that really gets put on the back burner oftentimes when it comes to this discussion is the strength of schedule, right? The quality of your opponents. That really doesn't get talked about nearly enough. I, honest to God, if someone looks at your record and you look at the you look at the strength of schedule, if you was, which was like a term they use in football lies, strength of schedule, I think you've been matched up tougher or at least as tough as anybody else in the history, not just of the Bantamweight division, but of the entire landscape of the UFC. Do you do you feel that way also when you kind of look back at your career and the names you fought and the level of competition that you've had for your entire career? Absolutely. You know, I don't even pay attention to the numbers. I mean, at the end of the day, that's exactly what it is. But you want to sit here and look at the credentials that carry behind. Um, there's a ton of them. You know, I mean, I'm that small percentage who fought for a world title. I've been with the UFC for eight years. I fought all the best of the best. I've um, beat some of the best. Um, you know, I've sat here and made history in multiple different ways. Uh there's just so much that goes behind it. So if you want to turn around and I feel like the people who truly follow the sport, who truly understand like all the athletes and everything, like that says a lot in itself and that's what matters. But if you're just somebody looking on the outside and they're like, Oh, an 11, I think 11 and eight record is what I have. Then of course there's easy judgment there. But, um, to say the least, I mean, I've built myself from the ground up and I've been working at this for 14 and a half years. Nobody's drugged me out of bed every single day. I've done it myself. And, there's been times I didn't have coaches or a team or anything behind me. I did it on my own just with my, uh, my passion, my drive, my spirit. And, you know, I mean, um, I've been, like I said, I've been one of the best in the world for a really long time. Absolutely. And, you know, to, to piggyback off that, uh, I believe this is your 13th or possibly your 14th uh, UFC fight in the Bantamweight division, uh, which I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I think that gives you the record. I think you tomorrow night, or I'm sorry, uh, Saturday night, I think you break the record for the most Bantamweight fights in UFC history, which is incredible. Um, when when you look back and you reflect on that, is that something that you look at and be like, hey, I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud that I've been able to stay in this division and, you know, and be such a uh, a major player in the in the entirety of this division. I mean, is that something you even look at or just kind of like, ah, oh, whatever, I just do my thing? No, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, like I sometimes it's easy to forget things. And when you sit there and you actually take a look at those things, I mean, it may seem little to everybody. But at the end of the day, like to see how far I've come and where I started and the lack of belief people had in me or the fact that I've been like 
the dark horse in women's MMA for a while. And like, you know, I feel like I haven't got a lot of the credit that I truly deserve. But then on top of that, you know, the adversities I faced and everything I've had to overcome, like, I'm damn sure proud of myself. Like, I'm proud of everything that I've accomplished thus far. And it's super cool to see those little things. And, you know, like I said, I mean, I just turned 33, but I feel like I'm in my prime. I feel like I'm the healthiest I've been mentally, physically, and emotionally in a very long time, which makes it dangerous because I feel like I'm truly just getting started. Hell yeah, dude. No, you're, you're absolutely right. It's one of those things where I would think you have to look like, like holy shit, you know, I've, I'm, I'm breaking records over here right now. And, and it's an incredible thing to do because we see so many people that not just jump divisions, but they don't last in the USD. I mean, we are talking about the creme de la creme, the highest level of, of mixed martial arts there is. Not only have you been in for a lot of years, but you've been fighting the best of the best at, at that weight for so long that now you're even breaking records. So that's something I think is a definite feather in your cap and you should absolutely uh, be proud of. Um, moving into a kind of a weird part of your career. So Jessica Andrade, Holly Holm, Betch Cohea, and Irene Aldana were all split decisions, Rocky. I, I, for those of us who watched it, it's, it's one of those deals where it's like, I, I can't fully articulate or understand why you've had so many that were that close, right? I, I feel like your your game has always been you're good everywhere, right? There is no, like, oh, all I have to do is this, and I can beat Raquel Pennington. You know what I mean? You have such a well-rounded and diverse skill set, and you've had such close fights with so many people. Do you have a theory why you've had so many split decisions go your way, or, or is it just because the level of competition has been so high? Honestly, for one, yeah, of course, the level of competition is high. But for two, a lot of those fights, I mean, it boiled down. It's kind of like that iceberg effect. You know, so many people yeah. see success or whatever. They just see that top of it. They don't see everything that goes into it. And before some of those fights, um, you know, I mean, a lot of it has played with my mental state. Um, some of it's been physical state. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of struggles. And that's why I said, like, where I'm at now and why I keep saying this is the best I feel mentally, physically, and emotionally is because I've truly held my back. Um, I have not been able to unleash the athlete that I've been in the gym or the athlete that, like, has been there this entire time. And now, like, I feel in a place to where it's just, like, I've experienced some stuff. I've gone through like a lot of stuff in the last year, um, life changes, um, some things that kind of put a lot of stuff into perspective for me to where it's like fighting is truly my passion. Like it's nothing of who I am. It's extremely what I'm passionate about and it's a talent and something that I'm really good at. Um, but you know, I mean, I was sitting here letting fear get the best of me and, uh, I was taken away from myself before even walking out into that octagon. And then by the time everything was said and done, I was the one that went home with those frustrations. And it was just like, you know, some of these fights should not have even been close. Um, and that's where now this one, like, I'm just super fucking excited to get out there and do what I do because I've gained, like, I've gained that control over my mind, over my emotions. Um, like I said, physically in a way better place, mentally, emotionally, like, Everything feels like it has now truly aligned, uh, but at the end of the day, it all started with myself. Absolutely, dude, and that's something that a lot of young fighters in particular can kind of uh, listen to and probably try to implement into their own life. Look, look, it's, 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 it's a very mentally tough, challenging situation to fight in combat sports, particularly at such a high level, and it really is something that you can't articulate or explain to somebody fully, they have to experience it. And I think you kind of sharing that is very important and very, um, they're very much something that people should listen to and kind of take heed of as they're getting into this world. So I love that you brought up the physical and emotional and spiritual uh, where you're at in the place right now, because my next question for you, Rocky, is you are a long time, you were born in Colorado Springs, you're a long time resident of Colorado Springs. A lot of fighters feel the need to uh, bounce all over, right? They feel like they need to go to this gym for for a year or two, then they go here, there. You've really, Colorado Springs has been home. It has been your base for, for who knows how long, right? For almost your entire life. Per, getting to that aspect of it, the personnel, the personal, the emotional, the spiritual, what does Colorado Springs mean to you? It's everything, you know? I'm proud to be from Colorado. Um, it's home. That's where my family's at. It's where I grew up. You know, I'm a huge outdoor enthusiast. Uh, the mountains, like, just calm my soul. Uh, everything about it. I mean, I love experiencing the four seasons and everything that I can sit there and do all throughout the year, whether it's winter, fall, summer, spring. Um, it's just, I am, I, 
I'm just a constant active person. So, you know, I love it. And then on top of that, being a pro athlete, high altitude training doesn't get any better than that. And, you know, a ton of athletes are actually starting to move to Colorado. And, you know, I say um, fighting, obviously, it's extremely physical. But for me, I say it's 90% mental, 10% physical. And when it comes to it all, it's not just about being in the best physical shape or looking good and everything else. Like there's so many things. It's kind of like that whole thing. You can freaking take all the vitamins and do all the workouts you want. But if your head and your heart, right, it doesn't matter. And so being at home, being in Colorado, like it's it. I have that support of my family. I have that other part of me to where I can step out of the gym and then I can go fulfill a different piece of me and whatnot. And then um so, I mean, it kind of just, it puts everything together. Absolutely, dude. Um, you know, moving into our next one, we have, we have different goals when we first start in, in our, in our professional, you know, combat sports journeys. Um, we start with, you know, certain small goals, you know, some people use vision boards. Some people have just, you know, maybe a journal, like, you know, you said you journal, right? So you have certain things that we write down that we have goals of, but as we progress in our careers, goals change, they evolve as we progress, they progress. Do you have any goals that you have set right now for this stage of your career? Or is it just keep improving? Uh, I want to show the best of me in the cage and something like that. Or is there any specific goals that you're looking at right now that have been more recent additions to kind of your goal chart? You know, I mean, my goals have always been the same. Obviously, I want to be the world champion. Um, at the end of the day, like for me, it was just about getting to the best place that I could mentally, physically and emotionally. I checked that one off. Now it's about this fight Saturday is for me. It's not for anybody else. You know, I mean, I am super appreciative of the love and support and the true fans that I have out there, my family, my close friends, my coaches, everybody who stood beside me and got me to where I'm at. But like, like I said previously, how I've held myself back so much and whatnot, like I'm just excited to unleash and to show my fullest potential and to actually truly have fun again. I forgot what it was like to have fun. And, you know, being a coach of my own and sitting here and telling my athletes certain things I realized at one point I wasn't like practicing what I was preaching and it was just like wow where did I lose that so now that I feel in this place again I mean it's just to go out there and for one be confident relaxed calm and just do exactly what I do every day in the gym Oh, I can't wait to see that, man. That's going to be so fun on Saturday. So we have the easiest next two rounds, Rocky. This next one is just envision to yourself, right? Because you've been cutting weight. You've been eating real clean. Everything's been about, you know, getting weight to a certain point for a competition. But just think about this. It's post-fight. You're out with your friends, your family, everybody you want to be around you. You get to really indulge in something you've been kind of, you know, keeping yourself from for all this time. What kind of food are you getting? What are you getting? And where are you getting it from? Honestly, I want some, I want to go to a Brazilian steakhouse. I want some, uh, all the meat. I want some Brazilian cheese bread. I want some creme brulee. And oh, we, hell I just yeah. want a delicious ass breakfast. I want a freaking pancake, some <laughs> bacon, just so bad. And then after that, like, just give me some water and let me get back on to eating clean because I got some more shit to accomplish. Sure, sure, dude. But you got you to gotta give yourself one of those nights of just, or maybe in a few days of just kind of getting back to some things that you really have been thinking about. I remember, and a lot of times on people on the show, uh, burgers are a big one, wings are a big one, but like, I'm kind of with you. I, I loved, you know, going out afterwards, having a few drinks or whatever, but like the next morning I wanted a fucking extreme breakfast. You know what I mean? Give me, give me all the French toast. Give me all the bacon. Absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't even care what time. There it is. Just give me the breakfast. <laughs> right. Uh, so, Rocky, just uh, just for the 10th round, it's just your social medias, man. Share your socials with us so everybody listening uh, from the Rhino Gang can kind of follow along and we can keep tabs on you moving forward in your career and we can all kind of get on that Rocky Pennington hype train, dude. Uh, Let's see. Social media. PP MMA. And then I have a TikTok that uh, I've been using just to, like, bullshit as far as creating my videos and stuff but um everybody's like hey like you should throw some content on there so that i think is rocky p mma as well okay so we've got all three of those or all four of those i should say for your social media so rocky again we want to tell you how much 
We appreciate you joining us. I know you have a ton of stuff you're going to be doing over the next 48 hours. But again, the most important thing is getting in there, showing everybody who you are, who we know as longtime fans, what you can do in there. We're all riding with you. We are so stoked to watch you fight and get that W on Saturday. So again, thank you so much for joining us today and going 10 rounds with Rhino. I appreciate it. It was great talking to you. This is Raquel Rocky Pennington, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Rocky, homie, thank you so very much. What a cool insight. Um, we've never had somebody on who was literally less than 48 hours away from fighting in the UFC, so that was a first for us. It was very cool. I can't tell you how much I appreciate the time you took. And once again, congratulations for the big win last night. You totally earned it and deserve it. And we are all riding with you um, moving forward in your career. So thank you, Raquel. Let's go ahead and get into our shout-outs and our outros, our forum contributors, The Doc. Ty Fly Guy, the Rage of Sweet Potato from up in Canada Way, our boy Jim Assoon, Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod, the Harley Davidson riding homie Dean Dog, our girl APB, the homie D. Crons, to other members of the Rhino Gang, Brat, Filthy Casual, Unmatched MMA Pod, my homie Marquise from Week Sauce Radio, Pokey Mama, Ashley from the Silly Little Podcast, which you guys haven't already checked that one out. It is awesome. She's the best. We love her. All the homies of the Rhino Gang GC, gang, gang, gang. To all the ladies of the PRG, thank you guys for everything you do for us every week. My underdog MMA fam. To our girl Sandy Pants. To my dude Cyrus King. Mike Morgan from the Shots Fired at Wocast. Two of my favorite shows on the airwaves. To, of course, the feature play Andrea. To the best engineer in the biz, D. Reigns. To Dave Fretz, the Einstein of Gravity Design. You guys check out his poster of Raquel this week. It is fucking amazing. The best in the biz. Dave Fretz. Check him out on Twitter and on Instagram. The eye set of graphic design indeed. Let's be kind this week, everybody. We all got lots of things going on. Lots of, uh, you know, plates that we're spinning. Lots of juggling up in the air. Fucking try to balance it. Try to find some balance in your lives. I know how hard it can be, but I really hope that for everybody. Again, be kind. Talk to a, talk to a neighbor. Talk to a friend. Reconnect with somebody you haven't talked to in a while. Black Lives Matter forever and ever, and we will see you next week. Gay side!